This is the Westbrook Community Church Sermon Series. Sunday, December 24, 2023. Christmas Eve Service, Prince of Peace. Kevin tells us about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Wish you all and your family a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. All right. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, my name is Kevin Sharp. I'm the pa- one of the pastors here. and uh, We're glad you're here. Glad you've chosen to, to be with us on this Christmas Eve and this special night as we uh, celebrate Christ uh, coming into the world. Well, there was another Christmas Eve, and it happened uh, in 1914. It was 1914, and it was five months after World War I had begun. And if you remember, in World War I, it, it was trench warfare. Okay, so on one side, they had a trench, and the soldiers were in that trench, and the opposition was in a trench on this side, and in the middle was what they called no man's land, where if you went in that, chances are you'd be killed. Okay, and they fought like that. But, but on this Christmas Eve, in 1914, there was a little lull in, in the action. And one side started singing Christmas carols. And the other side recognized the Christmas carols. And so the other side started singing Christmas carols too. And both these bitter enemies who had spent five months killing each other, were singing Christmas carols together. And then when that petered out, one person who was trained vocally belted out Silent Night. And it was just a moment that these soldiers had where they got to pause and reflect. As this person sang. And then that was done. And the German side figured out how to say Merry Christmas in English to the Allied side. And they started yelling Merry Christmas. And then the Germans held up a couple signs. One said, we no shoot, you no shoot. And tentatively, these soldiers got out of their trenches and met together in this no man's land. And for the next 24 hours, there was no fighting. There was peace. As these soldiers on opposite sides exchanged gifts of cigarettes and buttons and hats, there was even an impromptu soccer game. And these soldiers actually helped each other bury their dead as the bodies in no man's land were there. And for 24 hours, there was peace. There was no fighting. There was just this unique thing that they called the Christmas truce that these soldiers had. And unfortunately, at the end of the 24 hours, they went back to killing each other again. 
And when the war ended in 1918, over 15 million people had died. And yet that, that one Christmas Eve into Christmas morning, there was peace. And it changed those soldiers. And if you think about it, we all kind of long for peace, don't we? I mean, peace on a world scale, for sure, but also peace in our personal lives. Peace in, in the midst of the tragedy in life. Peace in the midst of the conflicted relationships in life. And it seems like when we find peace and enjoy it for a while, it's still fleeting. Something comes and robs it and steals our peace. But is there a way that we can find lasting peace? Peace that endures? Well, on that first Christmas night when Jesus was born. It says that the shepherds were out in the field just kind of doing what shepherds do, which probably isn't much, but they were hanging around and this angel appeared to them. Scared them half to death. They didn't know what to do. This angel told them, don't be afraid. And she talked to him and then a whole multitude of angels appeared. And this is what they told the shepherds in Luke 2, 14. It says in Luke 2, 14, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. They said, peace on whom his favor rests. You see, Jesus came in this world to bring peace. He, he came in this world so that we could experience peace. In fact, 700 years before that night that Jesus was born, the, the prophet Isaiah predicted this day. And he predicted that Jesus would come. And he says it in Isaiah 7, 6. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And what we've been doing in this Advent season is just taking each of those four names and talking about it. We've called the series, a, well, What a Beautiful Name. And it's talking about how Jesus is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father. And tonight, we're going to talk about how he's the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. He's the leader. He came so that we would have peace. And you say, well, how does that happen? How does that work out? Well, what does it mean that, that he came to bring peace. Well, well first he, he came to bring peace vertically. He, he came to bring peace w- with God. First Jesus came 
So there would be peace with God. Because the Bible says that because of our sin, we're separated from God. We're alienated from him. We're his enemies. In Colossians 1.21, it says, once you are alienated from God, you are enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. And you go, well, wait a minute. I'm not an enemy of God. How could you say that? You know, I, I like God. God's okay. I, I'm not his enemy. Well, what are you talking about? But the Bible says that because of our sins, because of our shortcomings, because of our selfishness, we're alienated from him. Maybe a story uh, of a character in the in the Christmas story can help us understand this. And that character is King Herod. Now, now Herod was known as a builder, okay? He built palaces, he built strongholds, he built fortresses. And there's still, the remnants of those are all over in Israel. And it's amazing to see them. It's amazing that they built these things. So Herod's famous as a builder. But you know what? He's also famous for being a super paranoid king. And he was paranoid about anyone who he thought might challenge him for his throne. He was paranoid that that he thought everybody was out to depose him and, and to take over his throne. In fact... Over the course of many years, he had his wife killed and three of his sons murdered because he thought they were plotting to overthrow him. So he was just obsessed with this idea that somebody was always plotting to overthrow him. And so he enters the Christmas story when the wise men come to him and they say to him, hey, There's a new king that's been born. And he's been born in Bethlehem. And and I'm sure alarms and wells and whistles go off in Herod's head. Because he's thinking, oh no, a new king. And, And he tells the wise men. He says, hey, when you find this king, let me know where he is. So I can go and worship him too. Yeah, right. He wasn't going to go worship him. He was going to go eliminate him. And so the wise men find Jesus. And then after that, in a dream, they're told not to go back to Herod, but just to go back home. And Herod realizes that the wise men are coming back. So in his paranoia, and it's an obsession To remain on the throne, he goes to Bethlehem and is every boy under two years old murdered. Thinking he'd eliminate the king that way. Because he didn't want anybody else on his throne. Now, I'm not saying we're like Herod. I'm not saying that that we're paranoid. We're mentally ill. We're that evil. But what I'm saying is there's a little bit of Herod in all of us. 
Because we don't want, we don't have a kingdom to rule. But we have a life. And we want to rule that. We want to be on the throne of our life. And we don't want anybody telling us what to do. And Jesus is fine as long as he stays in the position that we assign him. Savior and healer and forgiver. But I don't want him to be king of my life. I mean, come on. I want to call the shots in my own life. I want to be on the throne of my life. And the Bible calls that alienation, that rebellion, sin. And because we want to run and control our own life, we're alienated from God. We're what the Bible calls enemies. And because of that sin, we're separated from God. But but Jesus has come to to bring peace. Jesus has come to, to pay the penalty for that sin. To die on the cross as our substitute to take on what we deserve. In another prophecy in Isaiah, the the prophet says this. In Isaiah 53, 5, he says, But he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we're healed. You see, we can experience peace with God as we step off the throne of our lives. As we surrender to Jesus. As we wave that white flag and say, Jesus, I want you to rule in my life. I want to follow you. I want to submit to you. And it's as we do that that we experience peace. We experience peace with God. As we put our faith in what Jesus did and in Jesus, we experience his peace. That's what it says in Romans 5.1. It says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But it takes our surrender. And a little while later in the message, we're going to talk about how we surrender. Because it's in that surrender that we experience his peace. That we experience the Prince of Peace. But but not only does Jesus want to bring peace with God, he wants to bring peace with others. He he wants our, our relationships to resound with peace. He, he wants there to be free from conflict. But, but in order for that to happen, well, we got to forgive the people that have hurt us, forgive the people that have done that. And that's hard to do. You know, in April of 2015, kind of a self-avowed white supremacist, 
took a loaded gun and went to a historically black church in Charleston, South Carolina. It was a Wednesday night. They were doing a Bible study, the basement of the church. And he went in and shot up that Bible study. Nine people were killed. The next day, they arrested Dylan Roof for the shooting. A couple of days after that, he was arraigned. And in the arraignment, the, the judge kind of surprised everybody by opening the mic and saying, hey, any family victims can share and talk to the defendant in the court. Well, a woman named Nadine Collier was the first one up to the mic. She'd lost her mother. Her mother was killed in the Bible study. And she was devastated. She was close to her mother. But she got up to the mic and she said this. She said to Dylan, she said, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me and I'll never get to talk to her again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But if God can forgive you, I can forgive you too. And of course, this just sent a shockwave through the media, through South Carolina, through the country. Everybody was talking about this woman who stood up to forgive. But her three sisters... Her three other sisters took offense at what Nadine did. In fact, this is what her sister Sharon said. Sharon said, when she said that, I was shocked. I was like, who's she talking for? Because she's not talking for me. Sharon noted that that she was a believer and said, I understand that forgiveness is a process and some people with their beliefs can automatically forgive, but I'm not there yet. And I know God's not going to look at me any differently because I've not forgiven Dylan Ruth. But this issue just reverberated around their family. And so the sisters got so upset at Nadine that they stopped talking to each other. And instead of supporting each other in this time of grief, in this time of losing their mother, they were at odds with each other. And they couldn't forgive each other. And it took time. And it was difficult. And I use that illustration to say, forgiveness is messy. It doesn't go along in nice, neat patterns but it's hard it's difficult especially if the pain's been significant but Jesus has come to help to help bring peace to those relationships to help you forgive those people that have hurt you because it's in that forgiveness that we experience release We experience peace. And the Prince of Peace wants to help you. So who is it that you need to forgive? 
Who's that person in your life that you're at odds with that have hurt you? For me, when I felt angry, when I felt difficult in forgiveness, I'm reminded of these two realizations. And the first realization is that I'm a sinner just like the people I resent. And I remember one particular time uh, hearing that and saying, yeah, you don't, you don't understand God. I know I'm a sinner and, and that guy's a sinner who hurt me, but he's also a jerk, you know? <laughs> and so he's a sinner and I'm a jerk and a jerk and I'm just a sinner. And then God said to me, you're kind of being, you're kind of acting like a jerk too. And I, I heard that, but it's hard. It's hard to to realize that that person that hurt us so badly is just the same as us. We're sinful and and as selfish and as self-centered as they are. And the second realization that's helped me forgive is just this idea that Jesus loves the people I'm angry with as much as he loves me. And again, this is difficult when you're angry at somebody to realize that Jesus loves them just as much as he loves us. And yet, as we kind of embrace our own sinfulness and embrace Jesus' unconditional love, it helps us to take steps toward forgiveness. It makes it easier, not easy, but easier to embrace forgiveness and to take steps to release that resentment and that anger and to experience the peace that Jesus wants to bring. So Jesus wants to bring peace with God. He wants to bring peace with others and he wants to bring peace internally. I love what JJ said on the video. He he said, man, my life was going good. I had everything that kind of the world says I I need to be successful. I had a good job, plenty of money, beautiful wife. And and he said, in spite of all those things, there was an emptiness inside. Internally, things still weren't right. I had relied on those things for peace. And they give peace momentarily. But it doesn't last. Well, what are you counting on for your peace internally? Is it friends? Is it your job? Is it your health? Those things might go away. You might lose your job. Your friends might go away. Your health might deteriorate. What are you going to do when that happens? What are you going to do? You can't depend on that for peace. You need the the, the prince of peace. That's never going to leave. That's never going to fail. And Jesus, he even gives us a recipe to maintain that peace in our life. 
In Philippians 4, 6 and 7, it says this. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And look what it says in 7. It says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus said, hey, what's troubling you? What are you anxious about? Come to me. Talk to me. Pray to me. Give thanks to me. And what happens in that time of prayer? You'll get my peace. A peace that you can't even understand. That transcends all knowledge. But that peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a peace that's internal. And the Prince of Peace wants to bring that. He wants to give us peace with God, peace with others, peace internally, and finally, peace universally. Jesus has come to establish a kingdom, a kingdom full of peace. You know, when Jesus was born, there were wars everywhere. It was just common that people fought wars. That's just what they did back then. And 2,000 years later, it's really not much different. I mean, we hear a lot about the war in Ukraine and, and the war in Gaza. But you know, there's 44 separate wars that are happening around the world right today. And we don't hear much about the war in Congo or Myanmar or Nigeria, but they're happening and they're just as painful as the wars we hear about. And Jesus said, I've come to bring a kingdom, but a kingdom that's full of peace. And in this kingdom, there's going to be people from all over the world, from every tribe and every nation and every tongue. And when this kingdom finally comes in its fullness. The Bible says there'll be no more crying, no more mourning, no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And this new kingdom will be a kingdom of peace. And the citizens of this kingdom will be people who've surrendered to Jesus. Who's gotten off the throne of their life. And said, Jesus, I want you to be king in my life. I want you to sit on the throne of my life. And you might say, well, how do you do that? How do you surrender to Jesus? And we use a a simple surrender prayer that, that just talks about sorry. Thank you, please. And first, sorry, you just say sorry for my sins. Sorry that I've done wrong, that I've been selfish. And and next you say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for paying the penalty for my sins, for being that substitute for me. And and then lastly, please, please come into my life. I surrender to you and and be king. And I want to follow you. And, And it's just a simple prayer of sorry, Thank you, please. So as we wrap up our time tonight, I want to give you an opportunity. Just in the quietness of your own heart, 
If you've never prayed that prayer, just to pray that prayer, surrender to Jesus. And you'll experience the, the Prince of Peace. You'll experience his peace. So as we bow and, and just pray, let's just take a, a moment of silence. And if you never prayed that prayer, pray that prayer using sorry, thank you, and please. Well, let's pray together.